the, ex the exhortation will come from uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. But as I said before, this is a working out of a prayer that Paul is giving in this letter. And so I'm going to back up, um, starting in verse 11 through 13, um, and, and then skip over to our preach text, verse 9 through 12. So we're going to look at chapter 3, verses 11 through 13, and then skip on to verses 9 through 12 in chapter 4. This is the word of our Lord. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And then skipping down to the exhortation, verses 9 through 12 of chapter 4. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourself have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Thus far, our reading of God's word. Please be seated. We heard the gospel message this morning as we hear every sermon uh, throughout uh, morning and even every, every single week, but it was an explicit message that we see the death, burial, and resurrection that Jesus is trying to help the disciples to understand. Um, and this is always the central foundation for everything. As was said this morning in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, as that was a very troubled church, there was a lot of disunity, a lot of factions, a lot of lack of love. And Paul, in that passage in 1 Corinthians 15, says, I present to you a first, first importance. There are a lot of things that are important, but I present to you a first importance. That is that Christ died with accordance to the scriptures, and that he was raised, and that he was buried, and that he was raised, and then that he was buried, and that he was raised with accordance to the scriptures. And that's the gospel message that is we love to hear, we love to be reminded of. And so, as we are purchased by Christ, we are redeemed by Christ, and we have reconciliation with God, with that, per with that great and saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But part of that reconciliation is that we're reconciled with one another. We're reconciled with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And there are many words that are throughout the scripture that we take for granted. But one of the words that we really take for granted and we should really concentrate and, and understand that this is a serious sin to take for granted, this word, and that is the word brother. This is a very emotional um, 
comforting language that Apostle Paul brings throughout all his letters as he writes to the churches. We should be so joyful to call each other brother and sister. Why? Because we're all under, united to the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ died for every single one of us. And even the least saint, the least of us, is purchased by Christ. And that is what we are to know, and that was what we are to be thankful for. So the context, as the reason why I read um, chapter 3, verses 11 uh, through 13, is that this is a prayer that Paul is presenting to us, this church in Thessalonians, in Thessalonica. And basically, he wants them to increase in their love for one another and that they will grow in holiness. And so that is the context. Everything, even as we looked uh, last last uh, month with sexual immorality, that is a working out of this prayer. Um, and now as we look in through brotherly love, that is a working out of the prayer that Apostle Paul is giving to this these Christians in Thessalonica. So the teaching that we have uh, tonight and again, I've been corrected um, just to uh, make this a little bit more um, memorable for your memory. Um, the teaching is believers in Christ are to be commended for their brotherly love while being exhorted to increase in it. Believers in Christ are to be commended for their brotherly love while being exhorted to increase in it. Also, one of the examples of showing brotherly love is living a quiet life. One of the examples of showing love towards your brother or sister is living a quiet life. So point number one, believers in Christ are to commend one another for their brotherly love while being exhorted to increase in it. That is verses 9 through 10. Um, so let us understand as we go through that uh, text. Verses 9 uh, through 10, it says that now concerning, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. First thing we need to realize is that commendation is required amongst God's people. We are to be encouraging one another. Why? Because it's through the power of the Spirit that we are working out good works unto the Lord. Good works that benefit not only ourselves, but the church. And so we are to commend one another with regards to good works. This letter, this whole letter, as we've been going through this, this, this letter in, uh, to the Christians in Thessalonica, this whole letter is a letter of encouragement. He's encouraging them in the ways that they are moving forward in the gospel proclamation. They are evangelizing. They are uh, showing love to one another. Their foundation is Christ. They are obeying the, God, the word that Paul gave to them, which was God's word. They are co-laborers with Christ. That's what he calls uh, these Christians that are in Thessalonica. And so He's encouraging them, but he's also stretching them. He wants them to increase more and more in the faith, to increase more and more 
and good works. And so he's exhorting, he's encouraging, and he is correcting. That is the whole pattern of this letter. Uh, but we also are to regard the dignity and worth of one another. Again, this is the whole meaning of calling each other brother and sister. We are to outdo one another and showing honor to one another. That is Romans chapter 12, verse 10. We are to outdo that in showing honor to one another. And that is exactly what Paul is doing. He's showing honor to them. And, and that's what we are to do as we are all God's people. And leaders are to set the example of this. Paul was a leader. Paul was a minister of the gospel. And all leaders are to be the example of commending others, encouraging others in ways that they are living out the Christian life. Apostle Paul sets the example. Remember, one of the main things in his uh, epistles that's brought out that we actually tend to forget. We remember justification. We remember sanctification as many key doctrines. But how many of us understand the doctrine of imitation? And it's all throughout Paul's letters. The doctrine of imitation, imitating your leaders. And so leaders are to set the example of commending others. And that's what Apostle Paul is doing here. Second thing we ought to understand is that it is God that has believers to perform good works, such as brotherly love. It says it right here, verse 9. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Now, in this letter, some people think that this is a response to uh, a letter that these Christians in Thessalonica were were giving to Apostle Paul. And I think it's actually a response to the oral report that Timothy gave to Paul, as you uh, read in, in uh, the previous chapter, I think it's verse 8, where it says Timothy came back and gave a report. And so this report made Paul rejoice that they were doing so many good things for the Lord, that the, the gospel that he preached to them was so encouraging that they they loved to hear it. And so Paul most likely is responding to an oral report. But he says this, he gives this word brotherly love, brotherly love. This is a term um, in the Greek that you, it's a noun in the Greek that you would be familiar with, Philadelphia. It's what uh, brotherly, it's brotherly love, brotherly affection. Um, and it's familial language to express the mutual love for Christians that Christians have for one another. It's familial language that Christians, that it's a, it's a term, that, a familial language that Christians have for the love, to, to express the mutual love that they have for one another. Um, it's all throughout many, many scriptures. Many, many scriptures talk of this word brotherly love, even a church in, in the book of Revelation, the church Philadelphia, which God, Jesus had really no correction for, um, but to have them to pursue what they already been doing. Um, it's a very loving term and it's a, a very affectionate term, but it is familial language. Paul is talking to them as God's people or our family. And this actually fits the whole theme of what we've been talking about. Um, as we've been going through this letter, 
he presents to them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. It says, but we were gentle among you like nursing mothers, like a nursing mother taking care of our own children. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, he says, for you know how like a father with his children, I cared for you. First chapter, tw- first, first Thessalonians chapter two, verse seventeen. When Paul was very, uh, dis- he was very discouraged because he was scared that they might leave the faith. Well, in First Ch- Thessalonians chapter two, verse seventeen, he used the Greek word orphaned. I felt orphaned among you. It's not just set apart. He said, "I felt orphaned among you. I did. I lost my family. I thought, I thought that you maybe have lost the faith." And so this is the same familiar language that Paul constantly, constantly keeps using in all his letters. Um, We are a family, and we need to realize that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and that's why Paul continues to use this language. But what does Paul also say here? He says that they are, he acknowledges acknowledges that the the Christians in Thessalonica were taught by God. And in the Greek, that's actually one word. And it's a very unique word. You know, it's, it's a word that is kind of like the word God breathe. Um, it was a very, that's a very unique word that Paul used. He coined that term. Um, it says Paul, Paul says that they were taught by God. And why does he say that? Why, why, is, it, why is he having them realize that they are taught by God. Wasn't it Apostle Paul that brought the gospel to them? Well, Apostle Paul is alluding to language language that are in the Old Testament about how God will teach his church, teach his people. It's a new covenant language. Um, Isaiah chapter 54, verse 13. All your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. Again, familial language there. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 33 and 34. For this is a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Again, new covenant language. Isaiah chapter two, verse three. This is one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. It says, and many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. But out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Again, this is new covenant language. And he wants the, these Gentiles and Thessalonica to realize that they are engrafted in of Israel. They are engrafted in the church of God. They are the called out ones. It is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that that regenerates them and have them to be taught by God. It is the Holy Spirit that does all these things. And that is why they are continually to show brotherly love 
because they were taught by the Holy Spirit. But even though our Lord Jesus taught this, Mark chapter 12, verse 31, the second is this, when he talks about the greatest of the, the commandments, it says the second one is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. But even a more explicit uh, scripture that, that, that the Lord wants us to understand uh, with regards to one another. John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. That just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So this is something that our Lord Jesus taught. Um, as this is a new commandment that he's giving Love one another just as I have loved you. And that's taking up your cross, just like we heard this morning. Um, taking up your cross, just like Jesus was loving. We are to be loving. But even in the Old Testament, understand this. Leviticus 19, verse 18, which is what Jesus quoted. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against your, the sons of your own people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So it's the Lord that teaches his church. And it's the Lord that is teaching these Christians in Thessalonica. Again, there is nothing new under the sun with regards to God's people and how he communicates and how he wants his people to live. And that is to love one another. But Paul also acknowledges the evidence of their brotherly love. We see this in verse 10. It says, for, for that indeed is what you are doing already to all, to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. The Thessalonians were doing exactly what they had been taught. Again, imitation. Apostle Paul did the exact same thing. And so Apostle Paul said, imitate me. And they are imitating Apostle Paul by showing love to Christians in Macedonia. Thessal the church in Thessalonica not only evangelized in Macedonia, but they also took care of the believers that were living there. And it's assumed that it's economic aid. And how do we know that? Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 2. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in wealth of generosity on their part. So Apostle Paul is reminding of the, the Christians in, in, in Corinth that Macedonia was in extreme poverty, but they were getting gifts from the churches. And so it's possibly the generosity of these Christians in Thessalonica, hearing the gospel message, understanding the implications that we are all brother and sister in Christ, brother and sisters in Christ, knowing that we all love one another, knowing that Christ purchased each and every one of us. What did they do? They showed generosity to all the Christians in Thessalonica by giving them economic aid. They took care of them. The example could have been many things, hospitality to the poor, food, clothing, 
shelter, not just regular hospitality, but hospitality to those who are poor and needy, those who cannot offer you anything else in return. That is what Apostle Paul is expressing here. Um, they, they are really loving these Christians that are in, uh, in Macedonia. But also, as you, as you read on in verse 10, uh, Paul appealed that, that this church in Thessalonica would increase in brotherly love, would increase. It says, but we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. Again, this is a working out of the prayer that he gave uh, in the previous chapter. He not only prayed for it, but he exhorted them to increase in this love that they are having, increase in this joy and this generosity, increase in encouraging one another, increase in, in so many ways that we are to show love for one another. And so that is the first point. Believers in Christ are to commend one another for their brotherly love. Um, applications that we can draw from this and understand is that all those of you who are being encouraged, who are encouraging others, who are sacrificing your time and your efforts, who are increasing and showing love, devotion, giving, giving to those who are in need, you need to be encouraged. You need to be commended. Why? Because this is Christ in you. It is Christ in you that is allowing you to do these things. And so know that if you're having any doubt that the Lord is not working in you, understand this. What does Paul say? What does Peter say in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1 when it says, make your calling and election sure? One of those things is brotherly affection, brotherly love. And this is how we can be assured that we are walking in Christ by showing brotherly love. And that is, if that is you, then understand that the Lord is with you. Be encouraged. But we also ought to acknowledge the good works of people before we give directions and corrections. This is not what Apostle Paul does here. Um, and, and, and he does not off the bat say, you guys are wrong about eschatology here, which they were. He did not, he did not come out the bat, bat, off the back and just said that. He gives so many good things that they are doing. Again, this is a new church, a new church that's been, uh, you know, found by the Apostle Paul. And there are many things that they are not doing, but they are understanding the gospel message. They are understanding how to love one another, which is the foundation, the essentials of the implications of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so before you acknowledge, uh, you know, things that need to be corrected and giving people directives, acknowledge the good works that you do see in your brothers and sisters. Demonstrating that is showing, again, brotherly love. And leaders, again, as Apostle Paul was a leader, all elders, deacons, and all those who inspire to be leaders, you ought to be the ones showing this first, um, encouraging others first. But another application that we need to understand here and actually do some self-reflection here, um, especially in our day and age, why were this, these Christians in Thessalonica, this new church again, 
Why were they so unified? Why were they so loving? Why were they so active? One of the main reasons is because they understood the gospel and it was fresh in their ears. And they shared what we call the common faith, the common faith that everyone across the world who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, everyone across the world who who submits to his teachings, it is the common faith. No traditions, nothing to get in the way of of helping us to love one another. No trunkets, no traditions of men. It was a simple church. And that is why they were so unified, loving, and active, because it was so fresh. It was a simple church. And so we got to be aware. We got to be careful. What is hindering, I'm not saying this church, but even churches all across the world. What is hindering our unity? What is hindering our loving? What is hindering us being active? Parts of it is the added things we have put in Christianity that have nothing to do with love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It has nothing to do with love neighbor as yourself. No traditions of men, because all those things, we must be careful, all those things hinder our love for one another. They do not increase it. They get in the way. And we must be, be careful with regards to that. And then a final application of the first point is that leaders are to stretch the congregation into increasing more and more in good works. We cannot stay stagnant. This is not what Paul does. This is not what any leader is supposed to do. We must be stretched. We must increase in good works. Nevertheless, encouraging one another, showing, reminding each other of the good things we do, but nevertheless, we must stretch. And that is the application to all of us, but especially uh, leaders. Second point, uh, one of the examples of brotherly love is living a quiet life, living a quiet life. Showing brotherly love requires living a quiet, requires living a quiet life. We see this in uh, verse 11. He says, and to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you. Again, this was something that the Lord, I mean, that the Apostle Paul taught them. You are to live a quiet life. He says for them to aspire. A Greek word means use every effort. Let it be your goal. Let it be your goal to live a quiet life. And what does it mean to live a quiet life? It's it's interesting. The the Greek word is be still, be silent, Um, to live peaceably. Um, And a lack of quietness produces strife in yourself and with others. And this is one of the ways to fulfill, actually, the sixth commandment, which is that's not murder. Living a quiet life, understanding the things of God, um, living a quiet life in a, in a way that not produces strife with one another. That is what the Apostle Paul is telling them to do, to increase in that, because increasing in that will help them to show love with one another. Um, they were not to meddle 
and everything and everyone. That's exactly what he's, he's, he's saying here. And to aspire to live a quiet life and to mind your own affairs. In other words, mind your own business. That's pretty much what he's saying. That's what, is, that's what he's saying to uh, a lot of these, these Christians in Thessalonica. Don't meddle in everything and everyone. And Paul's going to really get into this in uh, the, the next book, uh, uh, well, the next letter in, in, to the church in Thessalonica. He's going to really get into this really hard um, because this is a lack of peace, having peace with one another. When we all meddling, meddling with each other, um, it's disturbing others and disturbing church affairs. It's disorder. Wanting to understand who's being uh, disciplined by the elders, you know, un- wanting to understand who's being what type of, uh, you know, how their people's marriage is in the sense of wanting to get into details. And a lot of teaching out there today is actually about that. Interesting enough, um, we are not to be meddling in each other's affairs. That is not what the Lord calls us to do. That is not minding your own business with regards to living a quiet life. Uh, so living a quiet life requires minding your own business. That is maintain and pursue biblical callings in work, at home, church, and as a citizen. The main callings that he has given you throughout this life, the main, your main concerns, uh, you, you ought to be concerned about that. Your work at home, your work at, at, on your jobs, your work in the church, and even your work as a citizen. This is living a quiet life. And this is actually showing love for one another. Um, and this is why we pray for those who are pursuing work, um, who are, are in, in need of work. We always pray for those, um, for those people, those individuals. Why? Because this is what our calling is. Uh, we are to work and we are to not be busybodies, which is what, that's what he actually gets into and the second letter, to not be all up in everybody's business. Um, and that, that, that is how we maintain um, living a quiet life, minding your own business. But also living a quiet life requires work as we see, as he says, as we instructed, he says, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and dependent on no one. So, it's assumed that some in Thessalonica may have been taking this generosity to the extreme and to the point where, well, they're generous anyway, so I'm just not going to work. And another uh, another uh, implication of what they probably learned, probably because they had a lack of knowledge of the of the of eschatology of the Lord Jesus Christ returning, some of them were not considering to work because. Well, Jesus Christ is going to come soon anyway, so might as well just not work and just uh, sit, sit and wait. And that's why the next session, the next section, Paul is going to address what they got wrong with the last day when Jesus Christ comes back. And even in the second letter, as he is addressing work, people not working, even in that letter, he's addressing the second. After that, he addresses the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's assumed 
due to the generosity and due to, okay, well, Jesus Christ is coming back very, very, very soon. So let's, you know, let's not even worry about working. Paul is correcting that. And, and some in Thessalonica may have been taking advantage of these things. So Paul called the church in Thessalonica to have self-sufficient work to contribute to the church. I mean, how did that money get to Macedonia, that church in Macedonia? It's through Christians working, working hard. It's not just to work hard to benefit their own families. It's working hard to benefit the whole body of Christ because we're all one family. Um, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ going back to understanding that. We are not to disregard work <laughs> just to evangelize. Some people do that. It's like, I'm not going to go to work today. I'm just going to evangelize. That's, that's me working for the kingdom. That's not, that's not what God calls us to do. He calls us to evangelize, but we all, he also calls us to work. He calls us to work. And not to disregard work in anticipating the second coming. Disregarding work is damaging to the, to the call to be a witness. And you see it right here in verse 12 so that you may walk properly before outsiders. That is, those who are not called by Christ. You learn how to walk properly before them and be dependent on no one. A person that is not working regards to, you know, if, they not, if they're not able or that's a, that's a whole different story. But those who are choosing not to work, choosing not to provide for themselves, choosing to not to provide for their families, choosing for the church to just pitch in and help them. That is selfish. That is selfish. And that is what Apostle Paul is correcting. Uh, the temptation to rely upon others is selfish and it shows a lack of brotherly love and brotherly affection. So that's why we are called to work, uh, whether in the home or outside the home. We are called to do this in, in a way that we are not to hinder the work of the church. Because there are many things that we have to do as a church. We have to give to missions, give to missionaries. And so choosing to, to receive money from the church, choosing to not work and live a quiet life, that is most unloving. And again, this is just a foundation, foundation of Christianity. This is the foundation of, of, of brotherly love. So by application of that second point, believers in Christ are to admonish each other to increase in brotherly love. Um, and, and then also we are, the Apostle Paul appeals to the church of Thessalonica to in, increase in brotherly love, but showing brotherly love requires living a quiet life, living a quiet life. So by application we got to ask ourselves, are we meddling? And understand this, this is a platform. We have platforms for people to start meddling in other folks' business. Think of social media. Think of all these other things that we have in our, in our day. He, again, these are good things. These are good technology and, and, and these are good things, but it can be used in a way that we are meddling. Always in somebody else's business. Always calling it up, call, calling up people who always wanted to talk to get them to come to your house and, and, and all these things, especially when it's their maybe their family worship time, times that they are trying to do 
to pursue their callings, to love their husband, to love the husbands, to love their wives. Those are the main, main things that the Apostle Paul wants us to do. And so when we start meddling, it always there, there are times we are to care for one another. We are always to care for one another. But we got to be careful that we're not meddling in each other's business to the point where we're not pursuing what God has called us to do. God has called us to do, and that is to be a good wife, to be a good husband, to work for the church, and to pursue your, your work and in, in, in your jobs. And so we got to be careful. There are platforms that's built on meddling, social media, entertainment, and there are people who are on social media all day long, watching entertainments all day long. They call it binge watch. You got to be careful with this. This is something that God has not called for Christians to do. He's called us to pursue work, whether it be in a church, whether it be at home. We are to love one another by pursuing uh, and caring for one another and, and pursuing work. And this is the danger in turning churches into social clubs. We have that before us in many, in many, many churches. They, they want to turn them into social clubs. And that's not what our calling is as a church. We have to be careful with that. There is a danger in turning churches into social clubs. Because why? We're going to end up meddling one another, gossiping, instead of doing what we're actually called to do. They even want pastors to be the one that's always hanging around with the people instead of being about the business of the kingdom. We have that in a lot of churches. And we cannot allow that. Pastors is always hanging around and, and not praying for the people, which is one of their main callings, not pursuing their studies, not pursuing uh, evangelism and, and, and all the missionary efforts that are going around the world. There's more than what's happening here, here at Covenant. There's more than what's happening here at Christ Church Katy. There are many things that are happening all across the world that many that we are to be understand that we ought to understand and communicate with and and pursue with regards to praying for sending money to or, or things like that. So we got to be careful and not fall into the dangers of this age, uh, which is very social, wanting to be so social to the point where we're not actually doing the things of the kingdom. Another application is to work hard, whether it be in the home, whether it be in, the, in, in your job, in the church, we are to be hard workers. Now, whenever, now last month, I, you know, I preached on sexual immorality and that was very intense. But I'm going to wait till this, this, the, you know, the second letter where he talks about work. And that's probably going to be even more intense because we serve, we, we are in a lazy generation, a very lazy generation that don't work hard. Um, and even children, you need to get understand this now. Teenagers, before you get married, you ought to understand that you ought to work extremely hard. You ought to be hard workers. Marriage is hard. And, and, the, and those who are lazy, their marriage just their marriages crumble. And so you, you got to get this right before you even think about uh, getting married, especially you young men. 
Um, understand that work hard, sustain yourself, and support the church. Now, like sexual immorality or sexual morality, if you have sexual, immor sexual morality, this is the fundamental fundamentals of the Christian faith. But brotherly love is also one of the fundamentals of living out the Christian faith. So not getting this right, just like sexual immorality or sexual morality, if you do not get this right, at best, at best, you are an immature Christian. Brotherly love, if you do not get this right, at best, you are an immature Christian. And you might say, well, I'm a, well, that means I'm still a Christian. You might not be. Because this is a basic fundamental of the Christian faith. Brotherly love, sexual morality, these are basic tenets of the Christian faith that we all need to understand and get right in our day. Especially, I can't think of many things that's attacked in our day than sexual morality and even work, a theology of work and understanding what, what it means to work. So work hard, sustain yourself, and support the church. But also remember that we are, again, brothers and sisters in Christ. And this goes back to understanding the gospel. You will never work hard. You will never conquer sexual morality. You won't stop meddling. You will never do this if you don't understand the gospel message of Jesus Christ. It is the cross of Christ, him dying on the cross for us, him being raised for our justification, and him being ascended at our right hand and giving us the Holy Spirit to live out works of love. And even that, what does he do with, that, with, the, with the Holy Spirit? He allows us to be adopted sons and daughters in, in, in God's house. And so that's why we call each other brothers and sisters. But in order to understand that, you must look to Christ. You must look to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I leave you with this note. In Matthew uh, chapter 12, verse 46 through 50, Jesus says, while he was, well, it says, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to, to the man who told him, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And what is the will of God? Believe in the one whom the father has sent. Believe in Jesus. Trust in him. Rest in him. And you will understand just exactly how this works out in your faith, in brotherly love and affection. It is Jesus Christ that does it. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord for this reminder of the, the fundamentals of the Christian faith. Um, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to increase more and more in brotherly love and affection towards one another. Help us to continue to encourage one another. And Lord, help us all to watch out for meddling in each other's affairs. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to mind our own affairs um, and help us to pursue our callings, whether it be Work, home, the church, help us to do it with the power of the Holy Spirit and with joy and with gladness that it is the Lord Jesus Christ that works all in all. And it's in him we do pray. Amen. Amen.
We have a hymn of response. It's hymn number 345. Glorious things of thee are spoken. So 